This episode is brought to you by Sheath. You can go to sheathunderwear.com and discover the most comfortable underwear ever created. Now, what makes sheath underwear different? Well, for men, on the inside of the underwear, there is a dual pouch. That means separate compartments for your manhood. Imagine a silky, smooth pouch on the inside that your boys slide right into that keeps you separate from your legs so there's no more sticking, no more chafing, no more need for readjustment. We all know that little move you have to make to kind of peel the bad boys off of the leg. Well, with sheath, that is a thing of the past. There are several fabrics to choose from, from modal to bamboo. My personal favorite is the bamboo. It's a newly launched product that everyone seems to really love. I highly recommend trying the bamboo sheath underwear if you have not ever given yourself the gift of true comfort. Wearing these underwear truly sets a new precedent for what underwear are and for most people, I think they end up switching entirely over to sheath because when you put on your old underwear after trying these, they just don't cut it anymore. You can try sheath risk-free. There is a 100% money-back guarantee on your first pair. So go to sheathunderwear.com and use promo code TIMEWHEEL to save 20%. I've been involved with Sheath since its conception. It was founded by my brother, Robert Patton, who is a US military vet, who during the course of his two tours to Iraq, developed this product out of need. Need is the mother of invention, as he likes to say. And he did a great job bringing this awesome product to the world. Again, that's sheathunderwear.com promo code TIMEWHEEL. This episode is also brought to you by Ohana Kava Bar. Go to ohanakavabar.com and check out their selection. Ohana means family and it is spelled O-H-A-N-A and Kava is spelled K-A-V-A. You can order directly from their website and they will mail you high quality kava. If you don't already know, kava is a plant medicine, an herbal supplement, a replacement for alcohol. It is an incredible experience. I have used kava for years now. I love it. It makes you chill, happy, vibey. It is a communal and ceremonial beverage to unwind with at the end of your day. If you haven't given kava a try, I highly recommend it. Again, go to ohanakavabar.com and use promo code TIMEWHEEL to save 10%. Their store offers classic kava, instant kava, kava tinctures, kava capsules, and more, all of which I have tried and all work incredibly well. ohanakavabar.com promo code TIMEWHEEL.
Greetings. Accessing archive. Authorizing. Access granted. Accessing file. Zarin Beatty. How's it going, brother? <laughs> What's up, Matt? It is a pleasure to be here, my friend. I'm doing wonderful. Thank you. It's a pleasure to have you. It is awesome because we have been going through quite a journey together since we met, which, <laughs> yeah, yeah. which I would love to just talk about how we met. Um, let's hear your version of events. <laughs> yeah, yeah, man. I was actually just thinking about this the other night because... I literally met you, Godzi, Corey Allen, and Kate and Howe at the same event, essentially, oh, wow. through the Go Fear a Win course. And so I met all of those people and Aubrey Marcus. Mm -hmm. And you were there at the graduation and you were filming and you you know, you were doing your work behind the scenes and then I ended up being outside with Aubrey Marcus smoking a mapacho. Mm -hmm. You come on outside, you ask what it is, we have a little talk, you get some filming and record some shots, and then we end up riding in the same van to go chill with Corey Allen at a like a local brewery slash coffee shop. Yep, radio in, uh, in Austin. Yes, that's it. And then we talked on the car ride, freaking loved what you were doing from the beginning with Bodaishan and just everything that you were sharing. And from there on, bro, like it feels like we've been able to build a pretty dope relationship. 100%. From the 100%. beginning, dude. Absolutely. Yeah, it's great what community can offer. And it was, you know, um, an interesting path to get us both there at that exact time. For me, what it was was my work with Aubrey and CT uh, as a social media consultant and um assistant and then as well i started to do more video work for them so i was just at that event shooting b-roll and it was just awesome the, the people that are magnetized to aubrey and the community around him they end up being such beautiful amazing high-spirited people and um that's what I remember about you as well. And it's funny you mentioned that van. Uh, I actually don't have it anymore, but I, I really loved that van while we did have it. Uh, it was a Volkswagen Eurovan. So I'm sure a couple of fans of uh, van fans out there will be like, what? You had one of those? Because, yeah, that was a that was like a, a classic car um, for me. But, yeah, I remember coming out and seeing you smoking Mapacho and I was still pretty new to Mopacho. Um, I had seen it in documentary films, but I don't think I had ever actually been in the presence of Mopacho mm. in person. So that was the first time um, that an actual Mopacho was, you know, uh, around me. And at, at first, you know, I'm a, I'm, a, I'm a fan of the cannabis. So <laughs> I came out and I thought y'all were burning a joint. And I was like, can I get in on this? That's a big joint. But you're like, yo, this is Mopacho. Um, just for the listeners, how would you describe Mopacho? What is it? It's a beautiful question, man. And it's um, essentially it's sacred tobacco from the Amazon rainforest. And Mopacho is known as a chakaruna, which means bridge. 
So mm-hmm. it's a really beautiful tool that kiranderos and shamanic healers will implement during ceremony to bridge the metaphysical world with the physical. So it can become a really powerful ally in communication and in grounding and adding protection and like really building the purpose and intention of the ceremony itself. Right. So it's a tobacco, but it's not tobacco in the way that, you know, most people in the West think of tobacco, which is cigarettes or um, smoking uh, a tobacco pipe. Do you happen to know what is different about it and what, how does it have these more spiritual attributes? Yeah. So one way that it differs is, is it is just pure tobacco leaf. Like Mm. there are no additives, there are no chemicals. And I believe the nicotine content of one mapacho is actually 27 times more percent than Mm. the Western cigarette, Mm -hmm. but yet it's not addictive. Mm -hmm. So it becomes a really interesting discussion when you start to talk about tobacco and the health benefits, but you meet shamanic healers who are late into their seventies who have been smoking a dozen mapachos every day for 60 years. Right. So it's like, it really does boil down to the relationship that we build with these plants. Mm-hmm. Um, I know Don Howard mentioned how like the spirit of tobacco doesn't enjoy being misused. Mm-hmm. So if it's purposefully implemented, it can really bridge some profound healing. Right. And then to even add this in here, some of the first forms of shamanism were tobacco, drums, prayer, and the breath. Mm -hmm. So it's been around for, you know, longer than we probably probably recognize. Mm -hmm. That's wonderful. So when it comes to the actual method of, you know, using it, um, isn't it correct that you don't inhale or do some people inhale? It's just kind of something that you have to get used to. Cause I've only had a handful of mopacho in my life and everyone told me don't inhale unless you're like maybe proficient or something along those lines. How, how do you feel about it? Yeah. So it can definitely be pretty harsh to inhale. <laughs> mm-hmm. Um, the way that I've watched healers use them and even in my own practice you smoke it more like a cigar Mm -hmm. so it's more of a like a puff and then you forcefully push your exhale out with purpose and intention and protection and compassion and care and love and the full ingredients that you wish to really bridge into the present moment Mm -hmm. and oftentimes the exhale can sound something along the lines of pew, pew, pew. Mm-hmm. really pushing the beauty of your intention into the moment. Right. That's beautiful. Um, so for people who are familiar with ayahuasca, um, they might notice that there are these really big, thick cigarettes being burned throughout the uh, ceremony. And that is mopacho. And what's a, what is its effect? Like, 
during ayahuasca because I know they use it outside of ayahuasca ceremonies, but they use it a lot of times people are introduced to it uh, for their first time because it's some part of the ayahuasca ceremony, whether it be you as a participant with ayahuasca in your system, using it for some reason, maybe grounding or some type of breakthrough technology. I'm not sure um, since I haven't done it. But I also noticed the shaman uses it to like blow on you and maybe cleanse you or like cleanse your aura or something along those lines. What, what is your understanding of what's going on with Mopacho in ayahuasca ceremonies? This is a beautiful topic and I actually really appreciate this. Mm-hmm. One, I just smoked a Mopacho before this. Mm-hmm. So it's definitely presently being felt. But for my current comprehension and understanding the shamanic healers often implement the mapacho before ceremony into the actual brew itself mm. to really bridge and call in the healing spirits or the doctorcitos mm-hmm. and really bringing forth the purpose for the moment that we are about to undergo as a group and then being the bridges and the guides themselves mm-hmm. before they do that from where I've been down in Peru, uh, a place called Spirit Quest, they would also go around the room to each person and sing ikaros to cleanse and prepare and properly open people up to receive the medicine. Mm -hmm. And then when the ceremony is over, they will come around and sing certain ikaros to close the being back up that this is now the end of our ceremony and we should, you know, carry on essentially. But Mm -hmm. then during the ceremony itself, um, the shamanic healers where I've been, they've been smoking them throughout the whole ceremony. Mm -hmm. So it could be anywhere between three to six hours Mm -hmm. and really bridging and communicating the guidance. They are the bridges So to work with people with proper intention and purpose and their own deep experience, sometimes through lineages, man, Mm -hmm. like generation after generation, like they are the bridges of the medicine. So it becomes profoundly important as to who and where we work with and who we enter that space with. Right. Right. Um, It's almost like, I feel like they're using it to repel any energies that aren't for the positive benefit of the group. Have they said anything along those lines? Like they're, it's almost like repelling bad spirits. Mm -hmm. It's like, get away and they blow the smoke and it's the bad spirits are like, no, okay. Like (laughs) I'm going to go away now, you know, something Mm -hmm. like that. That's yeah, bro. That's definitely, that's an element to it. And it's, mm-hmm. it's a multidimensional tool. Mm-hmm. And, you know, people with decades of experience and thousands upon thousands of ceremonies, you know, they may hold a much deeper comprehension and perspective around this topic. But I've been fortunate enough to, to ask the people that I've worked with, like, what's really going on here? Mm-hmm. And, you know, they're, they're maestros in the sense of, they only respond with as much information as they feel genuinely and intuitively called to like 
they're not just going to tell you everything that's ever going on because that's part of the process itself. But a huge part of it would definitely be about protection and cleansing and pushing that energy out. I mean, you can relate that to lighting sage and Palo Santo. Yes, that's exactly what I was was kind of thinking was it's kind of on that vibe of smudging, but Mm -hmm. maybe it's a different type of smudge because you can't, you know, put sage and, and Palo Santo in your mouth and blow it around and direct its exact smoke uh, trajectory the way you can with this particular medicine. Mm-hmm. And then to even deepen this concept here, um, I've heard that some believe the smoke of the mapacho itself is the spirit of the plant accessing the spirit realm. Mm. So how do we help this plant medicine fulfill its purpose? Are we going to do it with deep presence and mindfulness and with care and love and compassion and beauty? Mm-hmm. Are we going to kind of mind, mindlessly waste this medicine and just kind of blow it around like for whatever reason, just lack of intention, perhaps lack right. of presence. Right. And then you also kind of root in the concept of white sage. It's mm-hmm. been, I've heard it described as, and with my own personal experience, um, when you light it in a room and burn it into a room and, you know, you push it into the corners because energy can stagnate there and kind of build and hold mm-hmm. its, its, its place in areas that don't receive much airflow. But mm-hmm. the smoke of the sage can kind of help push it out of those corners. And by doing that, spiritual people and practices believe that it now brings that energy with the smoke and up into the, the up into the heavens Mm. so it's now purifying and cleansing the area by pushing it through and bringing it with it into father sky as some people call it Mm -hmm. that's beautiful it is beautiful yeah something you said there was about helping that plant um almost return to the ethereal realm um thinking about people we all want to be useful. Um, I think that is where a lot of our meaning is drawn from, is you know feeling useful to other people uh, or the world. So, and it's an interesting thing that, you know, most people don't really think of plants and their intention or their purpose or why they're here. But similarly to humans who want to feel useful... Perhaps that plant wants to feel useful. And when people, you know, use it and, and burn it and, and give it purpose and meaning, that plant is completing some type of cycle. It, it's returning back to the ethereal realm in some maybe honorable mm-hmm. way instead of <clears throat> maybe just living and then dying. You know, like the, the fact that these people take it and use it in this sacred context helps elevate that plant's life to the next cycle, to the next rebirth and gives it maybe a higher karmic Mm. experience, you know, because I believe plants are conscious on a level. It's hard to really prove that to people that haven't had a direct experience, but for people who have felt as if they've connected to a plant or heard the thoughts of a plant or understood the consciousness of 
inanimate objects like plants or stones, um, I think they that they're they have every entitlement just as we do to want to serve um, and and have some type of bigger meaning. So I thought I thought that was just interesting how by you burning mopacho, smoking it, um, it's almost helping that plant complete some type of spiritual feat or something. Dude, that resonates so deeply. And that is so profoundly beautiful. And it adds a whole other element to, you know, what what Don Howard and Aubrey and myself refer to as like para el bien de todos, like for the good of all, man, purely. And that goes into each and every moment we breathe into and breathe with. And if even bringing more beauty, purpose, and intention to lighting Palo Santo or white sage or smoking and sharing a mapacho with the river in your hometown, if that also bridges and beautifies and deepens that concept, dude, that's wonderful. Mm-hmm. That's really beautiful. Right. Yeah, it's a, it's a different dimension to thinking of it because a lot of people who maybe smoke cigarettes or something don't really give that plant um, the honor and respect it deserves for what it does for you. You know, like whatever it does for them that stimulates them to some extent. I've certainly smoked tobacco and it gives you some type of effect. Um, it's, it's it's not as probably profound as a lot of the other plant medicines, especially because it's not pure tobacco. Um, in the United States, it's, I guess, harder to get your hands on, you know, a, an actual just tobacco leaf rolled up because they put all kind of additives in it to make it more addictive and more desired to want to use every hour or even more frequent than that, which is crazy. But, um, yeah, people don't think about like, I'm helping this plant achieve its, its life purpose. Like they might not even speak to that plant. And I think it's just like a beautiful thing to have an intention as to why I want to burn this thing. Like you smoking one just before you came on the podcast, I'm sure something in your mind was something like, thank you to this plant for preparing me for this, this podcast I'm about to do or something along those lines. Yeah, bro. And a lot of that, you know, just boils down to our environments and resources and the access of guidance and information that we are able to perceive. Mm -hmm. And that's where a good majority of like where people are, bro, probably is like no fault to their own. (laughs) Yeah, it's just a lack of the right information or maybe information that resonates on a deep level. And yeah, you know, we can reach out and we can read books or we can travel and go places and we have that ability, but we don't determine, to my knowledge, what family we're born into, who we're around. Like, Mm -hmm. there are so many elements at play that just Mm -hmm. from my own personal practice really deepen compassion. Right. You know, when you see people mis- misusing things, there are many approaches that we can go within that concept. One, we can berate them and make them feel stupid. Two, we can provide some perspective and, and embody a different way of doing it. That's it. And that's what I try to do with, with friends that I care about their health because uh, they're friends of mine. And I wouldn't want to see anyone that I care about self-destruct or do anything that's just terrible for them. So 
you know, when I figured telling them this habit isn't serving you, it's poisoning you, it's killing you. And it, uh, they didn't care. They kept doing it. I started to think, well, maybe I can just better their relationship with it. So instead of saying, right. stop smoking cigarettes, ask them, well, what is this cigarette for? Right. It's like, what is your intention with it? And then I think that that opens up a conversation instead of makes them mm-hmm. feel insulted or, you know, like stop telling me what to do with my body or whatever. It's not that I want to tell you what to do. It's just, I care about you. I don't want you to die of cancer, bro. You know, it's like, you're my friend, but at the very least, let's talk about why you're using it. What, like, what will you do with the energy it provides? You know, one of the most powerful things we can do is just ask questions, bro, Mm -hmm. to ponder, to provide a moment for somebody to recognize on their own. Mm-hmm. Like that's, that's the real gentle, but sometimes really powerful medicine. Right. hundred percent. It is. And speaking of asking questions, I've got another question. It's <laughs> a good segue. <laughs> um, what, drew you to ayahuasca was it the first psychedelic you did had you experimented with other things prior like what do you feel was the call to go and try ayahuasca because that's a big that's a big call that's a big commitment to go all the way down to south america and undergo a days long rigorous process so what do you think was the calling to that and was that the first psychedelic you did or did something else before that kind of like open you up to want to try ayahuasca um so been down to peru two times Mm -hmm. spent three weeks down there both times um it'll change you being in the jungle right being with tribes being with you know from perspective like proper plant medicine application. Mm-hmm. And it wasn't the first plant medicine that I worked with, but um, it was something that was intuitively present through the process. Mm-hmm. And when Aubrey talked about it on Joe Rogan, I believe it was like 448 or something. I used to know the exact number. I remember that one. I saw that was where I got introduced to Aubrey too. And it used to be so much easier to keep up with all the content. Now there's so much there's content. So much. Yeah, but so back much. in the day, it was like if a podcast happened one way or another, I heard about it. And I definitely appreciated that episode a lot. And so when he talked about Mother Ayahuasca and going down to a place that was trustworthy, like that's where we went. We went to Spirit Quest. Mm-hmm. And we as in my father and I, like we both went down there with each other. And, but it was already on our radar before that for a couple of years. It was just a matter of like when and where and how's it going to align. And then about a year after that podcast came out, we found ourselves down in Peru. And it was, it's almost as if like divine alignment flows and orchestrates when, how, and where we should be, dude. You know, and if we can really follow and, delve into that groove and go with the flow we can you know do our best to really be where we should be in our pathway 
-hmm. And then to feel when we are no longer in alignment or harmoniously moving through that flow, like when we should get out of a relationship or when we should get out of a job, like there's a sensation there. There's a feeling that's registering through our soul and our heart and our nervous system. Mm -hmm. And how deeply can we feel those sensations? Because we both know when you like know where you are and you know you should be there, whether it's like the beautiful flow and groove of a podcast discussion, like Mm -hmm. that deep presence, there's a knowing in there. And every moment we've ever been in has allowed these moments to come together. And so we get, we can build these frames of references and these points on the map that can become really beautiful landmarks for our journey. Yeah. Yep. Yep. So it sounds like Aubrey Marcus's podcast with Joe Rogan and his, you know, amazing way of articulating the psychedelic experience really interested you intrigued you spiritually to want to go down this path of using uh ayahuasca is that right it was definitely um some added turbo some added momentum to the mix we were Mm. already really considering it but it was just a matter of where Mm -hmm. so aubrey was a really powerful element to help guide people he's never even met before (laughs) to a place Mm. of deep healing man like that dude's done so much for the planet and he may know it. You know, people tell him that probably almost every single day of his life, but we never truly know how our words impact other people. And that dude has bridged so much beauty and so much healing by just simply being who he was and being in his own journey. Yeah. And like, that is so fucking beautiful. Mm-hmm. It is. It's, it's beautiful. What can come out out of our soul if we connect with it and accept it and channel it because so many of us have beautiful insights to share but sometimes we just don't feel confident enough to share it Mm. i think for me um the restarting of this podcast zian archive because i had had several um podcasts in the in the past um i finally started to just say I need to have some kind of confidence in what I have to share and not feel as if it's not good enough because I know I don't know everything. I don't feel super confident um, on science and and things to be able to like break it down and talk about, you know, the neurochemistry effects of psychedelics and all of the serotonin A, B, C receptors and all that. Like I'm not super scientific. um, So there's like a, a lack of confidence Um, when it comes to explaining exactly what's going on on a scientific level. But I do have experiential knowledge, and um, all I can really do is try to express it. And I find that um, it's good for me to do for myself, and then hopefully other people can grow from it too. So without a doubt, you are not alone in this feeling, right? Right. It may be under this same concept. It may be under somebody speaking about their passion for basketball. Who knows what? But conceptually, this is very relatable. And one of the most fundamentally crucial pieces to this puzzle, it feels like, is just 
being genuine, man. Yeah. Being genuine with how, where, or what we perceive. Genuinely yeah. pondering what's going on. Instead of trying to be a certain way, instead of trying to seem smart, into trying to formulate this perfectly balanced equation of a sentence so that someone thinks you are a certain way. Right. Like, dude, that's so fucking exhausting. Right. It's such a fucking waste of energy and perception and presence. But mm-hmm. if we can bring who we genuinely are to the moment, that provides a unique perspective and a wholesome point of reference on the map for everybody else to learn from. Mm-hmm. And like, this is something that I've really noticed with doing my own podcast. Like mm-hmm. when I re-listen to it, I fucking love hearing it because mm-hmm. I was able to be genuine during the process. If I was trying to fucking be a certain way, probably would be like, oh, dude, why the fuck do you say that? You're so dumb. Mm-hmm. Like whatever could come from that kind of frame. Mm-hmm. But dude, when we just fucking surrender and be who we are, so much beauty comes from that. Right. So much beauty comes from that. Right, right. Yeah, I'm learning that more and more. And the more you turn these ideas over out loud, the better you do get at articulating your own thoughts and speaking to them. And it takes practice, you know, like no one's going to come out of the gate in episode one of their podcast. It's the best thing ever. Um, You always have to, you know, trial and error and learn. And it might be some of the first times you speak on a lot of these subjects because the guests that you have pull it out of you. And that's what I particularly love about doing this is um it, it i have so much of this inspiration inside of me and i get a chance to express it um and create with it you know like this is an act of creation doing this podcast because yeah. i'm not a painter you know i'm i can't do a lot of you know, certain things that maybe could express the, the inspiration inside of me. I, I, I'm, I'm, I'm okay at expressing music, um, and, and sometimes words, but to be able to turn these ideas over, um, it definitely is beneficial to speak, to get these things out. There's some type of, I think the word is catharsis that happens, um, when you're able to, unbottle right because people bottle things up bottle it up like i used to have all these psychedelic experiences and have no one to talk to them about because the other people weren't into psychedelics maybe they were my friends but they'd still listen to me but they had zero context to what i was talking about oh i had this journey where xyz and to them they're just like um okay i don't know how to respond to that (laughs) but with a podcast platform you get to talk to people who do know how to respond to that. And just now we talked about Mopacho for 20 minutes. That's a beautiful thing. I was interested in it. Now we've discussed it. And that's, I don't know, it's a cool thing. So, Yeah, bro. I mean, you brought up an amazing point at the end of that is you were interested in it. Like that right there, man. If we aren't genuinely intrigued by what we're doing, we're probably in a place that, that we shouldn't be in. You know, if you were doing it so your friends or your girlfriend thought you were a certain way, like, that's the energy that you would show up to this platform with. Mm-hmm. And people can feel that whether or not we recognize that we can feel it. 
Mm-hmm. And what's amazing about doing what you're doing or building a platform around what we are really intrigued by or passionate in is that we're able to put out a beacon for people, a beacon mm-hmm. to gravitationally pull the proper people into our orbit. And then yeah, we can, and it works. It, bro, it's like an unwritten law of the universe. Yeah, a law <laughs> like, of attraction or something. It's, it's powerful, man. And this is how we met. You know, yeah. this is how we're able to meet people like Eric Godsey or Corey Allen 100%. or whoever else that we can align with in this journey. Mm-hmm. And it's, it's a, it's a blessing, man. It really is. It is. It is. Yeah. Uh, several of these episodes I have talked about stepping into the things that you want to do, but are scared to do because so you know we all have ideas oh i could i could make a video about this or oh i could talk about that on a show or a podcast or oh i could make a song like this or an art piece like this um but when it comes down to it there's some block for a lot of people some type of writer's block or creative block where it's almost like they're afraid to fail um so they don't even begin and i think the best thing you can do for yourself in your soul and your progress is to fail over and over and over, but you have to do it to fail. So you have to begin. And if you fall, get up and then fall again and then get up again and then fall again and get up again. And slowly you're going to learn to walk. You're going to learn to run and you're going to be, I'm so glad I did that. (laughs) I'm so glad I failed a thousand times because Mm -hmm. I finally did it on the thousand and one time. (laughs) And you know, we got to do that. I mean, it's just like, it's a scary thing for people because they feel like people are going to look down on them. Oh, you tried a thing and it didn't work. But honestly, most times people love to see people trying stuff and, even if they don't express it to you, um, maybe it they don't it might bring out something in them that is afraid to start, and so it maybe mirrors something for them. And I don't know, I don't know. But all I can say is, it's worth it to try to do the things that scare you, that you know you want to do, that you know will bring abundance and prosperity and inspiration into your life it just takes this like stepping into the unknown in order to begin and it's so worth it it's so worth it may i add um an interesting perspective to this Mm -hmm. perhaps an unpopular perspective to this concept (sighs) because it feels like the majority of people will align with what you just said of just do it you know just go 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 in a sense Mm -hmm. but for me patience Hmm. be patient with yourself yeah like be patient if painting is your feeling and your inner calling go purchase a canvas but let it sit in your room for a couple weeks a couple of months marinate with your mission make love to your mission Mm -hmm. be present with what's going on and oftentimes but what you're saying is just do it the purchasing the canvas the downloading zencaster 
the whatever it may be, these can be building blocks to that process. And they can be beautiful stepping stones and seeds to reach the forest in which we are growing with. Yeah. But something that really hit me with this concept, man, was about two, three years into building Expand, I was fucking working so hard, dude, and so fucking stressed about, dude, you you, got to build this website, you got to do this, you got to do that checking out all of the other websites for the yoga studios in town or whatever they may be and like blown away by how professional they were. It's like, fuck man, they probably spent five grand into this. Like Mm -hmm. that's not where you are right now. Just like compiling stress. And there was a moment where it was like, bro, are you willing to do this for the next seven, eight, nine, ten 10 years? Yeah. Mm -hmm. Then what are you worried about? Just make the proper moves, man. Come from the proper place and you will be where you should be. Mm -hmm. And that combined with what you just said could be a powerful formula, dude. That's it. That's it. I think what you're saying is that if I say you're inspired to make an art piece, go make the art piece. You're saying, well, break it down into several steps. First, you need to acquire the tools. So even if that's your first mission, don't don't worry about making the art piece. Just acquire the tools for now and then see what happens. Like take the smallest step in the direction mm-hmm. towards what is calling you. Because that, that definitely is definitely beneficial to what I'm saying is to just say, hey, man, if you want to make art, just make art. Well, that's a little overwhelming because there's a lot of steps to that. You got to acquire the materials. You got to acquire the technical skill. You got to acquire the the time to set aside to do this thing. And with what you're adding is just take the smallest first step that isn't overwhelming. It's not overwhelming to go to Hobby Lobby and purchase a $9 canvas. So just do that. Start with that. And if you don't touch it for another week or another month after that, it's okay. You're still on the path because you began. You took mm-hmm. that first step. Mm-hmm. So I, re- I think that is very valuable. Absolutely. And that comes from a place where, bro, I've been burnt out so many times. Mm-hmm. I've been burnt out multiple times. And we can learn how to come back or, not, or no longer reach those places or build mm-hmm. the tolerance when we do or perspective and wisdom ultimately. And... Something about, man, just having something in your room and perceiving it even unconsciously. If you keep hearing it, calling and feeling the call and the pull, like there's been moments where I've done something and I felt that pull for the next eight months. And eventually mm-hmm. it's like, yo, okay, apparently this keeps coming up. Let's, mm-hmm. let's continue to move on this. And mm-hmm. for me, that's what's, that's what's been able to build a genuine deep amount of momentum with something Mm -hmm. and like that to me is the projects that actually last Mm -hmm. those are the programs those are the companies that move with momentum and they don't fall after four years eight years 12 years because the momentum that's moving with them and that they're being built from is like deeply interwoven in their like heart mission Right. And that's when you get people like Aubrey or Alex Gray 
or Corey Allen or you who like continue to embody what they're doing because they comprehend the knowing on why they're doing it more and more and more. Yeah. I think that comes down to some feeling of mission or purpose uh, as to why we're here. Um, you know, if I'm learning all of the things I'm learning and I don't do anything with that, that is a disservice mm-hmm. to myself and the world. Um, so with that's the way I see it. Mm-hmm. Um, with things that you learn, if it's, it, you know, we all have gifts that are given to us by luck, by heritage, by DNA, by whatever it is. Like sometimes we're just a, a little bit better at this thing than we are at other things. That is a calling sign to try that thing out. And <clears throat> I don't know, for me, it's been music for a long time. I've felt as if I grew dramatically from music. It, it, it was like the religion I chose. Like I was born Christian in a Christian family, grew up Catholic, so on and so forth. Um, but at a point, I was learning more from music and lyrics of bands I liked than I was ever learning from church or these Bible studies and this type of stuff. It just really wasn't resonating with me. Certain ways that lyrics were coming across and the tones of this music that I was absorbing felt way more charging to my inspiration than any religious thing. So I began to resonate with that term. People have said, I'm not the first person to say it. Music is my religion. Mm-hmm. Um, I began resonating with that highly around age 14, 15. And since then, you know, we've done Time Wheel and I've made several albums and several releases. And uh, it just feels like some type of natural thing to me to work with music and the people who make it. Um, Everyone has a different thing that is kind of they're magnetized towards. Sometimes it's this natural gift. Sometimes it's passed down because your dad was into music or your mom was into music or, you know, they might have taught you music at a young age or all these types of things. But um, it's just a very interesting thing to decide to build a product or a company or a thing. And that leads me to a big question I have. How, what, what is the story of Expand? How did it come to you? Even where did the concept of the, you know, the word expand with just the X? Like when, did, when was that born? What experience like, did that emerge from? <laughs> it's a beautiful question. It's funny because I was flowing with responding to what you were talking about with like purpose and mm-hmm. being of service and well let's see if we can flow and interweave that response into yeah please here so expand from from the beginning has meant expansion of consciousness to expand your consciousness yeah. and it began as 
a fitness company working to bridge the body and the mind together with meditation. Mm -hmm. So learning how to really bridge our being into a unified, wholesome nature and martial arts, you know, a huge part of that recognition, plant medicine, a huge part of the, you know, the meaning of expansion, like blowing your perception out of the water with brand new information. Mm-hmm. And from the beginning, already knew that meditation wouldn't be involved for a while. It's just there was resistance. It didn't feel like it was fluid with the Tao of what we were doing. We didn't really have enough experience yet. And by we, I mean my good friend and business partner at the time, Anthony Stevens. Mm-hmm. We just we knew that there would be pushback. And it just wasn't time to share that information yet. Mm -hmm. So as the time continues on and we're coaching people and enormous group classes and really building a reputation on top of our already um, foundational reputation in our city, um, I went to Peru, worked Mm -hmm. with plant medicines like Mother Ayahuasca and Wachuma, came -hmm. back. There was now some form of representation of a deeper purpose here. So now we start sprinkling in a certain kind of message. Mm-hmm. Uh, the next year or so, I went down to Korea and spent five weeks in Southeast Asia. Did a 10-day Vipassana meditation course. From there, it's like, oh, we can begin to naturally implement meditation in these deeper concepts now because there's some framework that's going to be much easier received. And from there, it was just like building these little puzzle pieces one by one to ultimately reach where we are right now, bro, which is a mindfulness program. Like mm-hmm. right now, this program called Become was the purpose of Expand from the beginning. But it mm-hmm. took eight years to move here, dude. Right. Eight years to become ready to share this with people with the least amount of like energetic Taoistic resistance as possible. Mm-hmm. Just going with the flow of intuition and perception and blending the internal world with the external world and meeting people and um, for a modern term, you know, networking or really aligning with people like you, Corey, mm-hmm. Gazi, um, Aubrey, Caitlin Howe, mm-hmm. like this group mm-hmm. of really beautiful and like deeply driven people. And by deeply driven, I mean like deeply driven inward, like real people performing and sharing their medicine. And now it's like, how do we provide this? You know, and that's been the, an under, an underlying feeling this whole time is how do we move this much purpose as possible? But now that we're really able to share something like that's very involved in our, in our formula. Mm-hmm. And you're go you're you're going through it right now, bro. Like yep. you are in our mindfulness program. It's and, beautiful, bro. It's I already done amazing so stuff for me. <laughs> yeah, it's already done amazing stuff for me. I think uh, I mentioned already to the group and you that the, the the very first journaling prompt is one of the most powerful questions I've ever been asked. Series of questions. Um, it was just so well thought out. Um, I don't want to spoil it to people who haven't 
you know what I mean? I don't even know if that, if I can put that out there with the whole intellectual property thing, but all I'm going to say is <laughs> like the series of questions that you're asked at the beginning of the become program breaks it down. It really asks you what it is that you need to do. And you know, you need to do to take the next step in your life. And it's something people literally will put off for years answering these questions. They will literally, or maybe never, they'll never answer the questions that they know. If they just were to answer these questions truthfully with the deepest part of their soul, <clears throat> they could let go of so much stuff that holds them back. And from the process of doing that and being involved in the community and, and being a part of these weekly calls, I have already grown tremendously. So all I can say is thank you, brother. Thank you. Bro, thank you so much. Thank you for showing up. Thank you for participating. Thank you for your willingness to ponder these questions, dude, and to mm -hmm. do the meditations and to go into the sauna, to do your ice baths, even before this program. But your willingness as a being to be in that place, man, and do your yoga practices and mm -hmm really improve and improve is such a weird word to it feels odd to say right now but ultimately it's you know become who you genuinely wish to be your willingness yeah. to shed the stuff that holds that back and to embody more the elements that would produce that being and bring it to light and to allow it to become present in the moment right and right. it's just, it's such an honor and a blessing to watch this group evolve, man. It's really mm -hmm. blowing me away. Right, right. Yeah, it's, it's, it's a beautiful thing. And I think no matter where you are in life, there are things to improve on. You know, no one has it 110% down. You know what I mean? It's like we can look at the most successful, wildly successful person that we think of as someone who has it made. They've done all the work. They, they've achieved all of the dreams. And, but I'll tell you, they still got work to do. And we all do. We all do. And I think that's, you know, to bring Aubrey up, mm -hmm. it's a shining, shining example of someone who has done a lot and has built very successful companies and, you know, done a lot of the things he sought out to do. And I, and I've always appreciated his willingness to keep learning and keep putting himself through trials and tribulations and coming out the other side. And he's done really amazing things that I can't even fathom, like going into the dark for seven days mm -hmm. and these types of things. Like I'm like, kudos bro. Because you know, like again, before he went into the dark for seven days already, people might've thought, Oh, he's got it figured out. Right. But he himself was like, I've got more to learn. And all I can say is I respect the shit out of that. Yeah, he was he's such a beautiful example to bring up here. Um, mm -hmm. and this he just he really helps show how much being vulnerable and being in a good community can really help us heal. Mm -hmm. And how much just the willingness to share who we are or what we're going through can help the people around you like more than we could ever fathom. Right. It's like telling the people don't know that it's counterintuitive mm -hmm. to, to share 
the deep, scary things that you're not comfortable with. Most people say, you know, those are mine. Those are mine to bear, mine to keep secret, mine to keep inside of me. I want everyone else to think I'm, I'm gold. I got it all figured out. But what's funny is when you share the things, it's more inspirational. <laughs> <laughs> they're, they're actually like, I appreciate that. That takes courage to bring out of you and share and put out in the public. Because, um, again, it's like a, I think it's just innate human nature to want to appear on the surface, you know, in our highest level, in, in our, in our most, uh, powerful sense. Like I want people to see me at my best. Like, you know, the person who won't go out unless they look on fleek, like they got all their jewelry and their hair's done. They got the gel in and they got their eyebrows did and you know, whatever else, you know, I'm just, I'm kind of joking with that, but, um, I'm just mean to say, you know, being vulnerable and sharing your truth, even when it's not pretty, even when it's hard to do is such an, uh, an honorable act that does help others grow around you. And it's a weird feeling. And, and in our group, a few of us the other night, had an experience where we shared some some stuff that typically we don't share it's like those those things inside of us that we don't want to burden others with and and it's scary and there's a part of you that fears being judged but the fact that doing that means an outpouring of support and love Mm -hmm. and 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 inspiration for other people to do it too it's a it's an intimate thing and, it, and it's supposed to be kept sacred in this circle of community, um, but it is very powerful. And it's, again, I think the word is, you know, cathar- cathartic or ca- it, it has catharsis attached where you're letting something out instead of bottling it up. And that's a good thing. And a really, you know, I guess underappreciated component to this is when someone lowers their guard it helps you lower your guard too. Mm-hmm. And it just like demolishes and dissolves the barriers in the room. And that's mm-hmm. where the healing can really come through. When you see somebody open up about childhood trauma or what they experienced in the military, like we've been hearing, dude, it's mm-hmm. just like, holy shit, man. Like it right. just brings everybody to be in a much more wholesome place and that's what perspective can do for each other you know we all are born in these wild components and equations of life where you know we have a combination of like this ancestral hood and this one and this one and these parents grew up in this city it's just like Mm -hmm. holy fuck man like we are so unique and how we approach the world can be can hold a perspective that nobody else may ever be able to hold but you mm-hmm. and to relate to people to feel and see that we are not that different from each other that's the beauty right. that's the beauty bro it is yeah it's almost like these these the become group um the become community is this ceremony it's it, we're entering into this um, discussional ceremony. We're not taking ayahuasca or drinking mushroom tea, but 
it's it's as if we had and are now open enough to share these things. Mm. And that's what's great about the community you're fostering there. And um, just the idea of ceremony in general, it depends on the type of ceremony. There's several. Um, there, there are sometimes joyous, ecstatic ceremonies where the whole goal is to have fun and feel alive and dance the night away. And then there are ceremonies where you're going to cry and break down and need to be held. And you know what I mean? Like, <laughs> but they're both beneficial and, and needed in today's society. And a lot of the reason I think depression is at an all time high and unfortunately suicide is, is probably, you know, at an all time high to, um, all of these things, you know, the COVID crisis hit and a lot of people aren't doing well. Um, it's because they don't, we as a Western society don't have the tools of ceremony readily available. And uh, indigenous cultures do and have known of this technology for a long time. And that's why they live to be so old and so wise and uh, have healthy, happy communities and these types of things we hear about. Um, and they're connected with the plants. They're connected with their deeper self. They're not afraid of death. Illness is probably less prevalent. You know, I, I saw several documentaries about... Um, modern day anthropologists going down to the Amazon and looking for signs that all this ayahuasca use has really like diminished their capacity in this type of stuff. And nope, actually they're more capable. <laughs> and it's not only the medicine itself, but it's ceremony. It's creating sacred space mm -hmm. for each other, um, for yourself and for each other. And having, um, a medicine man or a woman, uh, someone, a, he a healer of one type or another is such a beneficial thing that a ton of people don't have access to in the Western culture. They don't have a healer in their circle. They don't have someone who can offer them a plant that might help them through a process. They don't have a ceremony without even any plants that can open the, the you know, the, the lines of dialogue that need to occur in order for you to start the healing process. What do you think about Hmm. ceremony and all of these topics hmm. bro i just freaking love you by the way love you too man damn such a beautiful discussion and what's really interesting to bring up about ceremony is not only do people in the western world not really know what to do or have access to much sacred space but also the connotations on those worlds mm -hmm. can really push back and, you know, disassociate people from those deeper levels of healing and divine connection and really mm -hmm. feeling divine presence. Whether it's just getting in a sweat lodge, dude, or doing mm -hmm. an ice bath with singing bowls around. Like there are so many connotations to that moment that just, repel people in that immediately from the get-go of even of even saying a certain sentence is going to prevent a large majority of people from being intrigued by it and i love that you brought up creating sacred space because that's one of the fundamental elements of all of these moments of a medicine journey of meditation of doing wim hof breathing 
and really expanding our consciousness, grounding our body, and fucking blowing our perception into new dimensions, dude, is really what's happening here. Or even just allowing it just to chill. And if we don't provide ourselves with moments for those kinds of visceral spiritual experiences, bro, we're probably missing a huge portion of our purpose here. Mm-hmm. Like a huge portion. And that's where groups like like, like Become or your podcast or Aubrey's Fit for Service, they can right. really bridge a lot of healing for people because it provides that space. It provides it to be comfortable, welcoming, healing, and unbelievably transformative. Right. It really does. It really does. And it, what's really amazing is the plants taught most of us this literally plants <laughs> you know <laughs> oh, or help They're... teach the people that we learn from in some mm-hmm. way yeah, yeah. Dude. but all i can say is you know would aubrey have created all of this that has had such a shockwave on both you and i and the hundreds and thousands of other people had he not had that relationship with those plants probably not bro Right. Like the, the plants are the ones that are opening us up to these concepts and, mm-hmm. you know, like <clears throat> ceremony was almost invented, you know, by these plants. Like they, they were saying to the first guy that ingested it, they were like, okay, so a powerful thing can happen when you eat these things. So like in order for us to actually do them in the right context where that powerful thing can be totally taken uh at its full value and and gain the most value from it we must do it in this type of setting because to do it in another type of setting you don't get the benefit and in fact uh it can turn that experience bad Mm -hmm. you know imagine drinking ayahuasca in a cab in new york and sitting in new in a cab in new york in traffic is that going to be a good thing no it's not it's not going to be, it's not, you're not going to grow from that. You're going to, you know, like, at least in my opinion, it, that's not the context. It's not the set and setting. Um, so it took people engaging in relationships with these plants in order to learn how to create ceremonial space and in order to create a maloka, in order to create, uh, a, you know, like an environment conducive of these experiences that allow you to transform and it's just a beautiful thing. The plants are out there teaching us. And really without them, uh, a lot of this healing that we're speaking so highly of wouldn't be happening. So thank you, plants. <laughs> yeah, thank you, plants. Dang. Um, so what was coming up there is interesting is, so plants would be a chakaruna, which means bridge. So essentially these plants, they're conduits. They're bridges to the metaphysical divine dimension. And it's important to recognize that, um, to not rely on the method to reach these places. So mm-hmm. Don Howard once told me, um, I'm trying to remember the exact quote, but it's something like, oftentimes people become over-infatuated with the teacher rather than the lesson. Mm-hmm. And it's important to recognize that 
there have been multiple means to connect to divine source through ancestral generations. You get the sun dance in the Native American culture. You get Mm -hmm. fasting. You get the sweat lodge. There are so many ways to bridge connection to divine presence and healing. And although plant medicine, it has a way of really pushing that momentum forward because of the profoundly dimensional experience under the proper set and setting that we are able to perceive. But Mm -hmm. should it be the only means? I'm not sure. It's interesting because you might really be able to hold an interesting perspective on this, but something like the Wim Hof breathing method and cold exposure Those two Mm -hmm. things combined can be an incredible gateway for people to start meditating. Yeah. But that's like a huge purpose of that kind of like um, transformative experience such as the Wim Hof method Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. is it can become that gateway for people to explore that in different ways. Yeah. So what's coming up for me is that the plants in my experience came before my understanding of any of these other things because these other things, I didn't understand the efficacy of them. I didn't understand what I would gain from doing yoga, from doing breath work, from Mm -hmm. doing any things. What the plants have done is show me what's possible. Mm -hmm. It's possible to perceive in different ways. And once it kind of forces that on you, it really does. Like, you know, for me, it was mushrooms and even cannabis uh, early on that gave me such a profound perspective shift that I thought, whoa, so you can see the world in a completely different way. Like, I just thought humans saw the world this one way, more or less the way you grow up thinking that it is and they teach you in school. I thought that was the way everyone saw And everyone was all, you know, unified in this one way of seeing. And when I had a plant medicine experience, I realized, oh, so people are operating on different levels of consciousness all the time. Like that person that you saw at the grocery store or that person that you saw in the car next to you, they might be a completely different, you know, perceiving this whole world in a completely different way. There was some type of like by default, me thinking everyone saw what I saw in in the way that I saw it. That was, you know, my naivete of being a kid and whatnot. So through the plant medicine experience, I learned that people can be perceiving this reality from several different points of perspective. And it gives you a, a chance to not judge a book by its cover anymore and allow you to connect with people in a deeper way and understanding that we're all seeing this from a different perspective. And I think that a good kind of metaphor is reality is like this um, multifaceted diamond or gem or prism of some sort where it depends on the angle you're looking at it through what you see. I didn't know you could see in another way at all. And So after these plant medicine experiences, I was intrigued in how can I see in another way than my default baseline level without the plants now? Like, I don't want to take a mushroom every day in order to see this way. Not only that, that, that's not respecting the mushroom. Mm -hmm. You're going to get a tolerance to it. It's going to stop working. 
there's a number of reasons why you shouldn't be reliant on what got you there the first time. And so I started to seek out how to enter altered states of consciousness without plant medicines. And that's when I learned breath work, yoga, meditation, and the whole myriad of, of other technologies surrounding those as well. And um, they do work, but I'll say the plants show you what's possible to the point that maybe those other modalities help you get back to the reference point is if you have no point of reference, it's hard to like know what the goal is, right? So like the goal of meditation is to still your mind to the point that your thoughts have um, lessened in volume, if not completely disappeared to the point that you're not even hearing all those that, that, you know, that, that all day, every day mental chatter that people just think is them. They just think, well, that's my thoughts. Like, what do you want me to do to turn my thoughts off? Well, actually you can. <laughs> and, and that's meditation. Well, let's go off on meditation for a minute. What do you think? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Super agree with what you said. And we kind of talked about this last night on when Corey Allen was a guest speaker in the group. Mm -hmm. But yeah. when we reach these peak experiences, they provide a, a frame of reference, a reference point for us to yeah. embody and bridge that back into our real world. Right. And, you know, we talked about how like, like the moment is the meditation. <laughs> like our moment is our path. It is our practice. It is our journey. And how we approach this moment is greatly, deeply determined by who we are, our habits, how much effort we put into meditation, effort, you know, effort, effortless effort in a sense, like how much time we spend during meditation, if we journal, if we eat healthy. All of these different components bridge into who we are and how we approach the moments that we are in when we're making love to our partner, when we're doing our best to be present and fluid during this podcast discussion, or right. who knows what other example. And meditation is such a beautifully powerful pillar to really build a beautiful perspective, way of being and way of operating through the world. It allows us to feel where we are and also perceive the glide deeper into presence. It's like, oh, mm -hmm. that's what the glide feels like. Damn, that's what the transition feels like. And then we hone that groove and we can perceive and feel that when, when our boss is yelling at us, when our girlfriend is saying something that doesn't rub us the right way. We can feel the presence, feel the glide, and drop deeper into that heart place, which would ultimately be divine presence. Mm -hmm. And meditation is a beautiful method for that, whether it's in a float tank, whether it's laying down, walking meditation, just listening to the river when you're out in nature. Mm -hmm. Like it's not necessarily this one component of sitting with your legs crossed and your hands in a specific position. It's a way of perceiving the moment. Mm -hmm. And something that really intrigues me, it feels like we are always within meditation. But to what degree 
is determined by how we approach the moment. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yep. Yeah, it's an inborn, accessible state of being. We all have the ability to learn how to hone that state of mind. Yeah. It's a beautiful thing because I don't think there's a single human that can't access meditation if they were to genuinely try. You know what I mean? I mean, I think they can totally hone this ability should they choose to. And why wouldn't they? Well, I mean, one, they don't know about it. Two, they're not convinced by, mm-hmm. you know, like its results and, and what it could do for them. Something that, if I may add right there, another something to consider is a lot of people feel like when they begin something like that, their whole world is going to shift and change and they don't mm-hmm. even know what that means. Mm-hmm. It's like people deeply intuitively comprehend that fuck if I start meditating I'm probably going to realize that I shouldn't be married to this person. <laughs> right. And it's like that feels like from you know working with thousands of people over the years is such mm-hmm. a fundamental reason and internal feeling that holds people back. Because mm-hmm. because then it's like well now what? Now right. what the fuck do we do? And that's like, that's a moment of reconciliation. Mm-hmm. Well, it's like shedding the skin. Uh, we as humans are going to live through many versions of ourselves. We're not just the same one person our whole life. People might think that we are, you know, and, and I think that aspects of us are always there. I think the inner child is, is, is still present even in adults. They just don't choose to listen to it or engage with it. But, you know, I think people, there's some, you know, I can't really quote the, uh, the thing, but they, some, some people say that something like every 10 or 15 years, you know, you're, you're kind of a new person. It's every seven. Uh, okay. So like every down, seven years down to ourselves. And I think it's actually earlier than seven years. Mm-hmm. So if we're a new person every seven years, why be trapped in what we thought we were seven years ago or even 14 years ago or 21 years ago? Why hold on to this thing when it's holding you back from something that is beneficial to your growth? And sometimes to grow means you have to go through a big shift and it's going to be painful and it's going to be weeks of not understanding things but guess what on the other side of that it's very likely that you will feel better Hmm. you just have to go through it Mm. you know the way out is through people don't even really know what better feels like Mm -hmm. and something that i love this concept is a buddy and i were talking recently how a lot of people you know will will start a diet for three weeks and then stop doing it or go to the gym for three weeks and stop going and they just fall into that pattern because what they know in that journey is how to begin quit and restart that's what they know about that journey they don't know how to begin pick up momentum and continue on that journey 
because mm-hmm. a lot of the times we, we reach a point it's like yo i don't kind of i don't know what to do from here and that's mm-hmm. usually when people fall back into their old patterns or they mm-hmm. break up with a girl and they're you know texting multiple girls and it's a good time for a few weeks and then that falls and fades away and now it's like mm-hmm. well shit now now what do i do and then you reach mm-hmm. back out to that person and you fall back into that groove Right. When really it's about like learning how to be present in the moment we are in and configuring a way to move onward, both inward and outward in the best possible way. Mm-hmm. And then this kind of ties into what Corey was saying last night about like, um, you know, you, you have a choice, watch porn or do this other thing or whatever the example is. Now, mm-hmm. is it fall into this or can you actually move in a more wholesome way for the trajectory of your life? Like that concept alone, do I eat this donut or do I move in a more wholesome way? Do I drink this juice or do I drink um, an alcoholic beverage, whatever it may be? And this isn't judgment to the moments that we do consume these different kinds of information, but it's really important to become mindful of why we're doing it, how we feel while we're choosing these things, and ultimately where they are influencing who we are. Is that where we wish to be? Or do we actually wish to become something different? Right. Yeah, and to become something different, we have to let go of the things that don't serve us anymore. And that's a painful thing. And there's going to be pain attached to that, um, whether it be relationships you have to let go or uh, certain things you consume or healing processes that are scary or initiations that you're uncomfortable with the idea, you know, because we get in these patterns thinking everything's fine and you know we're just doing what feels right to us but at the same time we might be poisoning ourselves whether it be through consumption of things like alcohol like you're saying or also poisonous toxic relationships with people we won't stop allowing into our life Mm -hmm. because of some default mechanism well i'd rather this than be alone you know like that's maybe what they think like i don't want to be alone and lonely and so i'll put up with all this toxic terrible stuff and i mean Mm. to each their own we can all decide whatever path we want to be on and take but if you do want to become something more Mm. and do the things you feel you are here to do Sometimes there's going to be pain involved in mm-hmm. removing those things that no longer serve you. You know Damn, what I mean? Bro. And some strength, some inner strength that can help with that is to feel the purpose and why you're doing this. Mm-hmm. And this is where intentions like para el bien de todos or for the good of all can become really helpful. It's like, yo, we got to do this because this is fucking helping everybody around me. If I actually become a deeper person, if I become more calm, if I become more perceptive and receptive, and we can bridge that into the moment. And 
perspective and mindfulness to me holds so much freaking deep meaning and value, dude. And mm-hmm. um, like they're two of the most important things on the planet, in my humble opinion. And it's it feels really important to recognize um, how somebody's perceiving getting in an ice bath. Like let's take mm-hmm. a let's take a step back. Let's hone deeper into the body a little bit right here. You know, a lot of people perceive an ice bath to be like, well, fuck, I don't want to be cold. <laughs> I don't want to get in that thing. Like, let's recognize the mechanism and how we are perceiving that moment. Let's just pause and let's perceive the potential benefit that can actually come from being in one of those moments. Let's use the float tank with an ice bath. A lot of people don't get in a float tank. I don't want to be with my, alone with myself for an hour. But when really you start to learn more about what's going on, you get to learn that your nervous system is recalibrating in a way that's not even possible anywhere else on the planet by being inside of that float tank. Right. It's like, okay, there's purpose in that. Now let's you know find the pieces, follow, follow the intuition. Are we ready for that? Do I have trauma? Am I ready to be with that? Maybe that won't even come up. There's so many elements. But to feel the purpose in the condition and to recognize how we're perceiving it are probably really important, man. Whether it's Mm -hmm. walking up to a person that we find attractive. Oh, they're just going to think I'm, you know, it's dumb or I'm not attractive enough. Like, yo, just fucking Mm -hmm. chill. (laughs) Fucking be genuine. Be who you are and move with a wholesomeness in you. If it works, beautiful. If not, beautiful. Who were you? How did you approach the moment? That's what matters, dude. Mm-hmm. That's what matters. It truly is. Yep. Thank you so much, Zarin. Brother, um, thank you so much. Yep. Absolutely great talk. Um, would love to share to the audience where to learn more. Um, where can people find you and and what's up with your latest projects and when will the next program start and this type of stuff? Yes, my friend. Thank you for this opportunity to provide and share medicine with other people. Mm-hmm. Um, the next group is going to launch either the end of April or early May. We are accepting mm-hmm. applications right now to join the Become community, but we're going to really hit the application process in the in the whole month of March. You can find out more information at expandyourself.com slash become. That's X-P-A-N-D yourself.com slash become. You can follow us on Instagram for continual updates at expandyourself, no E in expand. Um, Sign up for our newsletter. We're pumping out beautiful content. You have beautiful things coming. You get to meet beautiful people like Matt here and really build a community. And it's a fucking honor to be involved in. So thank you, bro, so much. Thank you. Yep. And I can't give a, a you know a more high high recommendation um, to this to this whole project. I really have resonated with Zarin since day one. There's nothing but beautiful positive vibrations. So Y'all go check it out. Thanks for joining us on this podcast. And thank you, Zarin. This is amazing. Thank you, Matt. Love you, man.
Love you too, brother.